Good morning. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's from Matthew 11, 28, and 30. About two weeks ago, I had a dream. I was walking along the path beside the river at Ives Park at dusk. Reaching the bend in the path between the playground and the river, I sensed someone approaching, and I looked up. It was Jesus. I stopped. (laughs) Jesus. I felt his love. We looked at each other, and he asked me, what do you want me to do for you? There was a ball and chain attached to my right ankle, my good leg. Could you take this off me? I asked. Immediately, Jesus stooped and cut through the iron band around my leg. He picked up that ball and chain and he spun them around over his head and hurled them out into the middle of the Racket River. Suddenly, I was free. But that feeling of freedom only lasted a couple of seconds. When I looked down at my leg, there was a phantom ball and chain. You freed me, Jesus. I saw you do it. But why do I feel like I'm still carrying the ball and chain? And Jesus looked at me and he said, you are free. You just need to learn how to walk free. When I woke, I remembered that the place where Jesus met me by the river in the dream was the same place where I had been baptized decades ago in the presence of several witnesses. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's from Galatians chapter 2. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And that's from Romans chapter 6. When you have a dream, you know it's a dream if it's backed up by scripture. So I'm free, but sometimes I forget because life feels hard. And I'm still being conformed to the image of Christ. I still limp in the spirit and the flesh at times, conforming to old patterns. I am following Jesus into the promised land and a new life, as the Israelites once followed Joshua into Canaan. But sometimes I limp because Egypt left its mark on my forebears, and they left their mark on me. Sometimes my limp wears me out, and I grow weary. When I'm weary, I'm tempted to quit. 
And I think that the writer to the Hebrews was trying to encourage them. Don't quit. Many years ago, Glenn and I both felt that God was calling me into public ministry. But at the same time, I began to experience debilitating panic attacks. The panic was so strong that it made me second-guess my call. I couldn't drive. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sit still. I just wanted to run. I began to second-guess marriage, motherhood. I felt I was a terrible wife and mother, not to even mention being a person in Christian leadership. I felt I should leave everything and everyone alone so they could be free of my brokenness. I was tempted to quit. But that was my phantom ball and chain. And Jesus has been training me to walk in freedom. And so, here I am. And I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would continue to help me walk in freedom this morning. I pray that you would empower me to speak your word and that it would be your word and not mine. Amen. Aaron and Glenn have done a fantastic job setting us up with the background and the context of Hebrews. Thank God, as I don't have to. <laughs> so this sermon was written to encourage and exhort the Jewish followers of Jesus to stay with the easy yoke that I mentioned, uh, Matthew, in the beginning. The easy yoke, a yoke was a metaphor for the teachings of Jesus. Rather than to trade it back for the heavy yoke, the 613 laws, at least, of their past. Freedom for bondage. Why is it such a hard sell? Think about it. Haven't you ever been tempted to quit? Now I'm going to invite you to settle into a posture of listening and receiving God's word. We are getting to Hebrews <laughs> right now. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19 is where we're going to start. You ready? So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years I saw, they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? 
Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. God's word. Quit. Q-U-I-T. Q. You engage in a spectacular quest. Things don't go as spectacularly as you expected, and you feel you undone. Certainly, someone must have misled you, so you feel I indignant and subsequently justified to T turn back and quit. Q U I T. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Some of you may remember, and I'm sorry because now you're going to have it going through your head for the rest of the time, but you may remember the Keith Green song, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure. Are you sorry you bought the one-way ticket when you thought you were so sure? You wanted to live in the land of promise, but now it's getting so hard. Are you sorry you're out here in the desert instead of your own backyard? Hebrews was written to a community of people similar to us, gathered from all different places in terms of their understanding of what following the way of Jesus meant. Hebrews was written to a community of people similar to us in that they were on a quest to follow Jesus. The dictionary defines quest in two ways. As a noun, it is a long or arduous, hard search for something. As a verb, it is to search for something, as in we are questing after the truth. In medieval romances, it was a chivalrous enterprise, usually involving an adventurous journey. I like those as long as I'm not on that adventurous journey. What is our quest? It's to grow together in maturity in Christ, to look like Jesus and do what Jesus would do in our everyday circumstances. What's the prize? We will live in relationship with God, in the Sabbath rest God offers as free people, in this world and forever. A quest is begun in darkness and ends in light. The darkness of chaos, a chaotic situation, like looking for a new place to live when you've had to flee your home as a refugee. You undertake the journey or you commit to the effort, no matter the cost, for the hope of a better future. Six days ago, tens of thousands of people were killed, and scores more were severely injured in the earthquake in south-central Turkey and northwest Syria. Frontline workers, family members, and neighbors have committed to do whatever it takes in their quest to rescue survivors. Even after this amount of time, when authorities have given up hope for anyone, 
to still be alive in the rubble and the cold. And survivors have come to light thanks to their unrelenting efforts. They refuse to quit and have won prize after prize after precious, precious prize long after others have told them that it was hopeless. The author of Hebrews reminds the church of the great prize for which they have undertaken their quest in the first place when he brings them back to the very first chapters of their origin story, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Each time God makes an installment on creation, the first day, second day, third day, etc., as high as I can count, it was recorded And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. Right up until the sixth day. Because the Hebrew day began at sunset. The Hebrew day began in darkness and sleep, and was spent upon waking refreshed in the light That's a foretaste of salvation. That's what we have to look forward to. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And then Genesis 2 starts. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested. It was finished. God's quest to bring the cosmos out of chaos was over. And time stood still. The Hebrew church would have known how the rest of the story went. God rested. It was a day unbounded by the phrase, and there was evening and there was morning. It just was. The people God created lived with God and with each other in unbounded harmony until they were tempted to quit trusting God and trade harmony for history, rest for restlessness, peace for power. And so they were bound. A boundary line was drawn between them and the beautiful land and their life of bondage to sin. But God engaged them on a quest to return to that unbounded day and that unbound life with God and each other. God did not give up on them. A quest isn't just about the undertaking of an arduous journey to complete a certain task or attain a prize. A quest is also about the transformation that happens to a person's character, for good or ill, during the course of the journey. So they left the garden haven and their uninterrupted life with God and trekked through the wilderness into Egypt and back out again, And that journey is covered in the rest of Genesis and into Exodus, the second book of the Bible. 
This is where the author of Hebrews lands us, as he reminds the church not to make the same mistake their ancestors made when they decided they would rather quit the quest to be free in order to return to a way of life that, though they had no autonomy, was familiar and comparatively safe. Given the chance to enter a land that God promised to be bountiful and safe, yet hearing that they might be sharing the beautiful land with frightful giants, the people called by God to freedom chose bondage. Given the choice, just as in the garden at the beginning of time, to trust God or lean on their own understanding, they chose to lean on their own understanding. And they fell in the wasteland. They wanted to go back to Egypt, and they died along the way. But not all of them. Their young people were still up for the quest. You can do your own research on that part of the story by reading the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Rest. Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day set apart for delighting in God and God's good creation. A day spent in Eden, if you will. In the book of Exodus, God established the observance of the Sabbath as one of the Ten Commandments given to Moses on Mount Sinai to remind his people of where they'd come from, to remind them of where they were going. Rest, the promised land. The promised land was Canaan, a place flowing with milk and honey and very large grapes. A place of beautiful flourishing, rest, the new heavens and new earth. A place unbound by time, where God himself is the light by which we live. A place where he will wipe every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. From Revelation 21. God uses symbols and repetition throughout the entire library of scripture to help us understand his story. Re read through the Bible every year and you'll begin to grasp this and delight in God's creativity as an author. I'm going to ask you to settle again because I have more scripture to read. <laughs> this is from Hebrews 4 verses 1 through 13. I receive God's word. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith. They did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them 
did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is active and alive, alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When a person undertakes to prepare a sermon, a person is likely to learn some new things. One of the big takeaways for me was this. So I always appreciated that last bit uh, about the word of God, but I never really understood how it fit in context with the rest of the chapter. I think I'm beginning to understand. And if any of you can help me with it, um, I would love to talk with you afterwards. We've been learning in practicing the way in the women's group um, many things. And one of the things is um, a takeaway for me is that each of us has a bounded self. There's the public self, who we say we are. And then there's the private self, who we think we are. And then there's the true self. And that's the one who responds from the gut to triggers, emergencies, and hardships. The one who grew used to dragging the ball and chain that I mentioned when I shared my dream. Nobody else sees that ball and chain, but they can see the results of the way that I have been formed by dragging it along for so much of my life. That's my true self, the one Jesus sees and the one Jesus is retraining to walk free of the drag of phantom bondage. It's not there. But I need the word of God to reveal that to me, to reveal what's going on and where I'm walking true and where I'm walking false. And, and he shows me where I need more training. I've been made able through Christ, but I need training to walk free this side of eternity. The word of God is my training manual, as well as a host of other wonderful things. And you're free too. If Christ has set you free, 
how's your spiritual PT going? The Hebrew people said, they said, they were the ones chosen by God to bring God's kingdom, God's salvation to the earth. They were. They thought they could do no wrong because that was their given mission, their quest. But the reality of who they were when put to the test was that they wanted to quit. They had been freed from their shackles, but they had also been formed by them. They didn't believe that they were free because the phantom shackles felt so real. They wanted to go back to Egypt. I can see myself in them. Here's my choice, the same as theirs. My quest, same as theirs. I can believe that God's word is true, following my Joshua, Jesus, into the promised land where the word continuously shines light into my life and brings transformation to my character. Or I can choose to quit because the phantoms are too scary. It's too hard. It hurts to learn to walk without a ball and chain after having dragged it along for so much of my life. The author of Hebrews was reminding, was writing to remind the church that they, like their forebears, had been set free. And we need to remind each other. We can't do it without each other's encouragement. Jesus had set had cut off the ball and chain and hurled it out into the depths of the sea. I love Micah 7:19 that says, "You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And he was pleading with them, don't run back to Egypt. Don't take up the yoke of bondage. Learn how to walk like the free people you are. Learn how to walk like Jesus and follow him into the promised land. Don't quit. Don't quit. May I please have the worship team come on up? I want to invite you to take a moment of prayerful contemplation. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would move and work and speak now. Are there ways in which you have been tempted to quit, to go back to Egypt? Is there something or someone that you have already quit? Ask Jesus to speak with you now about this. Maybe it's time to turn back from turning back and recommit to the quest. Or perhaps you've heard of this quest this adventure with Jesus, but you haven't committed to it or to him. If you're interested in joining us on this quest, take the time now to let Jesus know that you are accepting his call. He's waiting for you, and we'll be glad to pray with you after the service. Brothers and sisters, 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too will make, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Amen. Amen.